just thank you for this opportunity to gather here in corporate worship. You are the good shepherd, Lord. And as you lead us in life and through our daily trials, Lord, just be with us today, Lord, as your Holy Spirit is here upon us. Um, may your words resonate in our heart. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> And we do rejoice this week. We saw three people who professed faith in Christ, and we rejoice for that. And if you stay awake till later in the service, you'll find out a little bit of the story of those. Great to be back. Karen and I uh, spent the week not in Las Vegas, as we were slanderously rumored. <laughs> we actually were in Ormond Beach for a week. We were celebrating our 41st wedding anniversary, and that's okay for you to share especially for my poor wife to put up with me for 41 years is, is amazing. We had a, a great, great uh, time. If someone asked you what's the greatest accomplishment in your life, what would you say? If anybody asked me, somebody, what's the greatest accomplishment in your life, I'd definitely say it's being married for 41 years. That is the single greatest accomplishment in my life that I'm incredibly thankful to Jesus for because without him, we would never have, have stuck together. So I spent a week in Ormond Beach where I'm on the beach, and then last Sunday I was in Banner Elk, so I went from the beach to the mountains, and I, I was there to officiate at my niece's wedding. Many years ago, Karen and I introduced my brother James to his wife Bonnie. They got married, had four children, and now many, many years later I got to officiate at their wedding. So it was really interesting to see what a wedding's like, or marriage is like when it starts, like their wedding, and then to have celebrated ours all on the same vacation. Um, this morning, our scripture reading is from the Gospel of John. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 10. And if you don't, we really encourage you, get a Bible, bring it with you. If you get familiar with it, it'll really help you. If you don't own a Bible, there's some Bibles in the study. We'll be glad to give it to you so that you can own a copy. Um, throughout most of the history in the world, people would have sold everything they owned just to own a copy of the Bible. And, and we actually own Bibles. How amazing is that? So we're going to read from John chapter 10, starting in verse 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me, even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my Father. So I love to know where we're going. And so the, the point of today's message, what we're going to look at is that Jesus is the good shepherd. Would you say that with me? Jesus is the good shepherd. Um, this message is part of a series that's called, Who Does Jesus Think He Is? I mean, you, you hear about some famous person, a politician, or, 
or an athlete, they get pulled over by the police, and what do they say to the police? Don't you know what? Who I am? Well, we don't have to wonder about who Jesus is because Jesus reveals to us who he thinks he is. And we're doing a series that uh, goes through the seven great I am's of Jesus. In the book of John, there's seven great I am's where Jesus tells us who he thinks he is. And so already we looked at I am the bread of life, and we looked at I am the light of the world, and I am the door. And today we're going to look at I am the good shepherd, and then next week I am the resurrection and the life, and then I am the way, the truth, and the life, and we'll finish with I am the vine. Then actually we're going to get two bonus I am's. We'll look at two others, and that will lead us right into, right into Christmas. So if, if you would like to know Jesus, come and see him with us. Come and see him. There is no one like Jesus. If there's sin in your life, and you'd really like to overcome it, come and see Jesus with us, because nothing pushes out sin like looking at Jesus together. Uh, do you need some help in your marriage or your family? Come and see Jesus. Nothing changes a marriage or family like looking at Jesus. Would you like a greater boldness in sharing your faith? Would you like to learn how to make disciples? Listen, come and see Jesus. So, who does Jesus think that he is? He tells us, right, I am the good shepherd. So, so let's start to unpack that a little bit, okay? Verse 13, see how it begins with I am? See how verse 11, I am? See how verse 14 repeats the same thing? I am? I am, that's right. And, and, and Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience, and when Jesus said, I am, they knew what he was claiming, that Jesus was claiming to be God. And most of you know that, but some of you are new. And, and where that came from, in the Old Testament, there was, um, there was um, a man named Moses, and he was retired. By the way, he was a shepherd too. And he was out just uh, enjoying his retirement with the sheep when God came and said, Moses, I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. And he says, how can I do that? I don't even know your name. If they ask me, well, what's God's name? I don't know your name. And God told him what? I am. I am who I am has sent you. He, he said his name is Yahweh, which means I am who I am. So every one of the seven great I am's, when Jesus said I am, the Jewish people knew when he was saying that he was claiming to be God. So <clears throat> Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And again, he repeats that twice. Uh, he says it again in verse uh, 14, right? Uh, I am the good shepherd. So as we look at the word good, I, I want you to understand that the Greek word for good is kalos, which means good or beautiful or virtuous. Uh, so when he says that he's the good shepherd, it's, uh, that's true of his character. Jesus' character was good, beautiful, virtuous. It's also true of his actions, that his actions were good and beautiful and um, virtuous. And we might say that Jesus was in a category all by himself because he's the only good shepherd. There is no other good shepherd. Do you notice what he said? He said, the good, not a good. I am the good shepherd. Well, to understand what he's saying when he says, I am the good shepherd, one of the things we need to understand if we want to interpret Scripture 
is we interpret Scripture with Scripture. We want to look at the context. When we're looking at a verse and we want to know what it means, we look at what comes ahead of it and what comes after it. And that'll help us understand what Jesus means when he says, I am the good shepherd. In John chapter 9, Jesus opened the eyes of a blind man. There's a man, his whole life he's been blind, and then he sees. Can you imagine what that was like? Listen, if you're a Christian, you can. Because if you're a Christian, isn't that your story? That we were blind, right? And then we met Jesus, and he opened our eyes, and now we can see. But the religious leaders... <laughs> They were, were not, they, were, they were not rejoicing that a blind man could see. They had no compassion. They hated Jesus. They hated Jesus, and they wanted Jesus dead. So John 9 ends, and it, the story is continuing. So Jesus told a story. He told a story with those who wanted him dead, and he told a story about sheep and and a shepherd, and a door. And then after he told that story in verses 1 through 5, he took two pictures, two pictures out of his parable, and he applied them to himself. He took the door, and he took the shepherd. Strider did a great job the last couple of weeks walking through the I am's, and, and he dealt with the I am the door. In verse 7, Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus took the door in the story and he said, I'm the door of the story. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. In case we missed it the first time, he tells us again, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He tells a story about a door, and then he says, I'm the door. He told a story about a shepherd, about a good shepherd, and then he says in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Um, and he says it twice in verse 14 to, to repeat it, I am the good shepherd. Now, how do we know? How do we know that Jesus is the good shepherd? He tells us how we know he's the good shepherd. He says he lays down his life for the sheep. And he says it five times in these verses. Did you hear that? I am the good shepherd, verse 11. The good shepherd lays down his life uh, <clears throat> for the sheep. Verse 14, uh, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17, I lay down my life. Verse 18, I lay it down on my own initiative. Uh, I have authority to lay it down five times. <laughs> he, he says, you know I'm the good shepherd, and you know why? Because I lay down my life for the sheep. And what he's doing in this, he's comparing the hired hand, kind of like the religious leaders then, with the good shepherd who actually loves his sheep. Notice verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand uh, and is not concerned about the sheep. So the hired hand, uh, when he sees danger coming, he just runs away. You know why? Because he loved his own life more than he loved the sheep. 
What we understand about the hired hand is he loved his own life more than he loved the sheep. So when danger came, he, he ran away. And, and aren't there people like that today? That as our culture is getting increasingly hostile toward the Christian faith, are there some people who just, listen, they're just, they're just running away, right? Because they love their own life more than they love Jesus, more than they love his people. But listen to the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me, even as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. You know what we learn about the good shepherd? The good shepherd loves his people more than he loves his own life. So the good shepherd was willing to lay down his life for his sheep. And when we understand that and we experience that, you know what? It changes our lives. It changes our families. I think of a man who wrote me a card earlier this year and he said, Smiley, my wife and I, we've been having some real struggles. And so this year, I really decided that I was going to grow in my relationship with Christ. And as I began to grow in Christ, what Jesus really taught me is that my children need a mom and dad more than I need personal happiness. Did you hear that? You know what happened to someone when they hung around with the good shepherd? The good shepherd loved his uh, his people more than his own life. And so this man, by spending time with the good shepherd, he's beginning to be like him. And he began to love his children more than he loved his own life. And he says, it's really important that I'm here so my kids have a mom and dad. <laughs> he also said in that message, I was talking about the importance of giving our word and keeping our word. And uh, he said, and you gave me a second reason to, to love my wife and be there for my children that I gave my word. It's interesting that when we spend time with the good shepherd, when we spend time with him, we become more and more like him. So the comparison here, the hired, the hired hand, he loved his own life more than the sheep. That's why he fled when danger came. But the good shepherd, oh man, he loved his sheep more than his own life, so he laid down his life for the sheep. Um, Remember what Jesus said about that in John 15, 13? Remember what he said? He said, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. So in John 15, 11, or John 10, 11, when Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He says, I want you to know how much I love you. Um, matter of fact, I have a question for you. And how do you measure love? I mean, if you wanted to measure love, well, that person's such a loving person. How would you measure love? And I want to share with you four ways to measure love, okay? The four ways to measure are the objects of love, the sacrifice involved in love, the freeness of the love given, and the benefits received through the love. The objects, the sacrifice, the freeness, and the benefits. And when Jesus says... I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He is off the charts in all four of those categories, okay? Let's start with the objects. Listen, the more unlovely the objects of love, the more unworthy the objects of love, the greater the love, the greater the love. And who does Jesus lay his life down? He lays them down for, for sheep, right? <laughs> um, I mean, we think sheep are 
cute, right? Because we sing Mary had a little lamb whose fleece were white as snow. But do you know what's really true of sheep? Sheep are dumb. And sheep are smelly. And sheep are helpless. Sheep can't feed themselves. Sheep can't protect themselves. Sheep are dumb and smelly and helpless. And do you know what we're like? We're like that too. That's the bad news of the gospel. In Isaiah 53, let me show you. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. That's true of all of us. We're all dumb, smelly, helpless people. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the evidence of that is everywhere. I'm driving to Banner Elk. I stop at a rest station in South Carolina. I look at the vending machines. In South Carolina, the vending machines are behind bars. Why are they behind bars? Because people are dumb and smelly and helpless. And, and listen, we're, we're sinners, right? And it's true not just of others. It's true of all of us. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. That's the bad news of the gospel. We've all sinned against God in thought and word and deed. And what we deserve is God's wrath. What makes the love of Jesus so amazing is he laid down his life for sheep, for sheep, for sheep. Who ever heard of a love like that? That's the objects. <clears throat> Secondly, the sacrifice involved. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the love. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the love. And what is Isaiah 53, 6? All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. That God the Son put on flesh, asked the good shepherd, came to earth, and laid down his life. He died in our place on the cross. That's why his love is so amazing. Listen, the sacrifice was his life. It was everything he is. We come to the Newer Testament, and in John chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist sees Jesus, and, and, and he said the next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The good shepherd climbs on the cross and becomes the Lamb of God. Why? To take away the sin of the world. You know what love is? Love is Jesus, the Lamb of God, laying down his life on the cross for you and me. Listen, his love is staggering because Jesus laid down his life. His sacrifice was everything that he is. We come to Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. For a while we were still, what? Helpless. And what did we learn about sheep? They're what? They're helpless, right? That's us. While we were stuck. When we were stuck in our sin, condemned before God, and we couldn't save ourselves, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Yeah. The sacrifice was that he died. That's amazing. Listen, the objects, you see, both of those overwhelm us with his love. He died, that's sacrifice, but the objects were helpless, ungodly people. Dumb, smelly, helpless sheep. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. We see that sometimes, don't we? We see a secret service agent who, who stands between an assassin and the president, and they, they give their life for someone. We see that, don't we? But they're doing it for the president. We see soldiers who would jump on a grenade to save their buddies. But who? Who would do that for a sinner? But God, 
demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, that's the objects. Christ died for us. That's the sacrifice. It's meant to stagger us with how amazing, how amazing Jesus' love is. That's what he's saying when he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for, for the sheep. The objects, sheep, the sacrifice, everything. Freeness, freeness. The freer love is given, the greater the love. The freer love is given, the greater the love. I don't know if you had a mom like me, but every year after Christmas, my mom would make me write thank you cards to my grandparents or whoever gave me a present. Have you written your cards? No. Have you written your cards? No. Have you written your cards? Write your cards! Thank you, Grandma and Granddad, for the presents. A lot of love there, right? I mean, it just overflows, doesn't it? Or we'd get together with extended family, and uh, my mom would say, give your cousins a hug and kiss. Give your cousins a hug and kiss. Oh, it was so bad. It was forced, right? The freer the love, the greater the love. Verse 18. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up. Again, this commandment I received from my Father. One day, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they met together to, to, to come up with a plan to save you and me. And the Father's plan was for the Son to die in our place. And Jesus volunteered for the mission. Because he loved the Father and because he loved you and me, he laid down his life for you and me. Does that stagger you? Remember when they came to arrest him? When they came to arrest him, Jesus could have called down angels from heaven and been delivered from, but he let them take him away. And as he died on the cross, it wasn't the nails that kept him there. It was his love for you and me that he stayed on the cross until he could cry out, it is finished, and the penalty for our sins was paid in full. You see, that's the good news. Jesus is God who became a man who died for our sins, and then he rose on the third day. He rose on the third day, and he offers us eternal life. See, that's the objects and, and the sacrifice and the freeness, and that leads us to the benefits. The benefits. The greater the benefits the greater the love, right? Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Uh, what does he offer us? Salvation. I want you to know people are forever. It's either eternal life or it's eternal punishment. We either get what we don't deserve, which is eternal life, or we get exactly what we deserve, which is hell itself. And what Jesus offers us is salvation, a salvation from what we deserve, a salvation from sin and death and hell, a salvation for, for forgiveness, that we could do life in eternity with Jesus. 
If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill. I came that they may have life and have it abundant. Jesus offers us life, real life, abundant and eternal. So when we read that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, we should be staggered by his love, the objects he loves sinners. The sacrifice he laid down his life. The freeness he laid it down for us and the benefits eternal life for all of his sheep. So my question is, are you one of his sheep, are you? And uh, if you're not sure, uh, would you like to be? Would you like to be? You can, you know. And you say, how? He tells us how. You see, the good shepherd is not only the good shepherd, he's the door. He's the door we enter into to eternal life. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. Well, smile, how do we enter the door? How do we enter the door? We enter the door through believing in Jesus. Um, and, and we love to say believing in Jesus really is as simple as A, B, C. It starts when we admit. When we admit that we're sinners, Lord, I admit to you that I am dumb and smelly and helpless. I can't save myself. I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. And if you've never done that, won't you do that now? Or, or listen, as we close in prayer, I'll be glad to assist you. It starts when we admit, and then we believe. Jesus, I believe you're the door. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. I believe in you, and then we commit. That means we enter through the door. We say, Jesus, I want you to come in and, and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life, won't you? I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Um, one day it'll be too late. Don't wait till it's too late. It's, today's the day to enter through, to admit, believe, and commit. And if you have, hear what Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you've entered through the door, Jesus has moved into us. And he says, listen, if you want to live life abundantly, follow me. Follow me. Are you following him? <laughs> um, what we've learned so far is that Jesus is the good shepherd. If you're a Christian, he moves into us. He invites us to follow him. And so our action step for this week, what I really want you to focus on is to follow the good shepherd, to follow the good shepherd. Listen, we get to follow the good shepherd, not the bad shepherd. Jesus moves in, the one who lived a beautiful life, and he says to us, follow me. You do know the difference between sheep and cattle, don't you? What do people do with cattle? What do they do with them? They drive them. They drive them. Cattle are driven. Sheep are led. They're led by a shepherd who knows them by name, who loves them. They recognize his voice, and they follow the shepherd. Ah. Listen. When we believe in Jesus, he moves in and says, follow me. He's our model for life and ministry. Are you married? You want to know how to love your wife? Jesus says, follow me. Are you a wife? You want to know how to submit to your husband? He says, follow me. Are you single? You want to, how should I live as a single person? Jesus says, follow me. Want to learn how to love your enemies? Follow me. Want to learn how to forgive? Jesus says, follow me. He's our model for life and for ministry. 
Would you like to win people to Christ? Follow me. Would you like to learn how to disciple us? He says, follow me. And to help us, to help us, he gives us the Holy Spirit, to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. Uh, well, smiley, do I have to? Listen, have to, that's religion. Religion is like driving cattle. You have to do it. No, no, the gospel is get to. We get to follow Jesus. We get to follow Jesus in a broken world that's so confusing. Someone's gone ahead of us. Someone's gone ahead of us and given us a model, and he says, follow me, right? Well, how, how, how do we do that? How do we do that? Look at verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. Uh, you see, to be a Christian is to be a follower of Christ. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Well, how do we hear his voice? Well, Jesus is the living word, and we get to know the living word in the written word. So he's given us his word. He's given us his spirit to guide us in the truth and to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. And he's given us his church. He's given us his church so we can gather and hear his word together. You see, the word, the word reveals Jesus is true, true. He's the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. But the Holy Spirit reveals him as treasure, treasure. He's the good shepherd. Follow him. He lived a beautiful life. Follow him. Here's how that works in my life. Um, listen, the, the Holy Spirit says, remember, Smiley, sheep are dumb. And Jesus is wiser than you. Follow him. Here's how that works in my life. The Holy Spirit says, Smiley, remember sheep are smelly. Jesus lived the beautiful life. Isn't that the life you've always wanted? Follow him. Listen, the Holy Spirit says, Smiley, you were weak. He's powerful. Follow him. Isn't that what it says here? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given to them, them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I am so thankful to be a Christian. I get to follow Jesus. I have a friend. I have a friend who said he's never leaving, and man, I need a friend. Um, one of my many phobias is heights. And did I tell you I was in Banner Elk last week on a mountain? And when I left on Monday morning, it was 7.30, it was dark, it was raining, it was foggy, and there was lots of traffic. And I am scared to death. But you know what? I'm not alone. I have a friend. And he promised to be with me every step of the way and to get me home. And I know how the Bible says to pray without ceasing. I don't do that all the time, but let me tell you, driving down from the mountain, I was praying the whole time. And isn't that a lot like life? There's so many things in life that frighten us, but I'm never alone. I've got a friend, and he's promised never to leave. And when I really get, you know, confused, you know what he always says to me? He just says what? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. How thankful I am that we get to follow Jesus. We get to follow Jesus together. We get to follow him together. We're not alone. He makes us a part of a community. Do I have to go to church? You don't have to do anything. We get to. 
Did you hear verse six, 16? I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Wow. We get to follow Jesus together with others who follow Jesus. Now, I, I want you to look around the room for a moment. Just look at the people here, because I want to tell you two things about them. Um, first thing is they're dumb. Really, it's important you know that so you're not shocked when you discover it. And they're smelly. When you get involved in a small group with them, they're going to offend you. And they're also helpless. You are too. But that's only part of it. The other part is they're so precious to Jesus that he laid down his life for the people you see. Oh, how he loves them. And you know why we love each other? Not because we're lovely, but because Jesus loves us. And listen, we get to follow Jesus together. It's not do we have to come to worship. We get to. Listen, we are strangers and aliens on earth. Do you ever feel that way in our culture? I do. But on Sundays, I get to gather with other dumb, smelly, helpless people who love Jesus we get to gather together and encourage and be encouraged and serve and be encouraged and we get to hear God's word together. And then I get to on Sunday evening gather with a small group with other dumb, smelly, helpless people. But what we have in common is we love Jesus and we pray for one another and encourage each other. I'm so glad I'm not doing this alone, aren't you? And we get to be discipled and disciple. Listen, we get to. That's the gospel. We get to follow Jesus. We get to follow Jesus together, and we get to follow Jesus together and fish for men. We get to. Do I have to? You don't have to do anything. We get to. But Jesus did say, follow me, what, and I will make you fishers of men. Look at verse 16 again. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. Um, now, he was speaking to Jewish believers, and, and he was saying something radical that Gentiles were going to be a part of this too, okay? But he was saying, I have other sheep that, which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Jesus has his people all over the world, and he wants to bring them to himself. Hmm. Uh, did you know there's an election on Tuesday? Did you know that? And way too many of you have way too high hopes for the election because you're thinking if we just elect the right people. It's never happened before, but if we just elect <laughs> the right person, all of our problems will be solved. Well, I want you to know Jesus has a radically different way to change our county and country, and it involves you and me. He says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold, I must bring them also, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. Listen, Jesus' plan for changing our county, the 200,000 lost people, isn't through electing the right people. It's through you and me bling. We can't believe we get to do this. And he makes us a promise. As we bumble through sharing our faith, did you hear what he says? They're his sheep. He loves them way more than we do. And he promises that when we bumble through the gospel, they're going to hear Jesus' voice. I have other sheep which are not of this full. Uh, I must call them also, and they will hear my voice. 
And they will become one flock with one shepherd. When my young life leader many years ago shared the gospel with me, I didn't hear him. I heard Jesus standing at the door of my heart knocking. And I said, come on in. And that was the greatest event in my life. And we get to be those people for others. All year I've been telling you about David's mighty man. I've got to show you this picture. Now I was really pretty tickled with this picture. So I showed it to someone. They said, oh, a bunch of old guys eating breakfast. Way too true. But it's a special group of old men eating breakfast together. You see, starting in January, I started meeting with these guys every Thursday morning, and and I've been discipling them, and I've been teaching them how to follow Jesus and then equipping them. And uh, one of our goals was to win someone to faith in Christ. And all five of them, they all led someone to faith in Christ. And so we were gathering together to celebrate what an amazing event in their lives that they shared the gospel. People heard the voice of Jesus, and they came. But I want you to know that David's mighty men, it's kind of like eating Lay's potato chips. You know what they used to say, I bet you can't eat one. So we're having a breakfast to celebrate what's happened, but they're all telling stories. The whole time we're we're eating breakfast, they're all telling stories of the people that they've been winning to faith in Christ since we set up the meeting. So you have Charlie in the back, and Charlie went to the hospital recently. Why waste staying in the hospital? So while he's in the hospital, he's winning people to faith in Christ. He wants someone to faith in the hospital. And then across from him is Bruce. The Great Commission is, as you go through life, make disciples. He went to a concert. And while he's at a concert, he shares the gospel with someone. They come to faith in Christ. And then across from me is David. And David was a part of the Do You Know team at the Hello Fall, and he had a chance to share the gospel and bring someone to faith in Christ. And then there's Doug. And what Doug did, he went on a cruise. Why waste a cruise? While he's on the cruise, he shares the gospel and brings someone to faith in Christ. We had the most amazing breakfast as we gathered together and shared stories of how Jesus was working through everyday people to draw his people to himself. Oh, for the day that's happening all over this county, right? So I know some of you say, well, Smiley, I can't do that. To which I would say, of course you can't. That's why we pray, right? Why do we pray? Because everything Jesus invites us to do is impossible for us to do. That's why we pray. Jesus, help! Help! Isn't that what prayer is? Help! So let me ask you, who is it that you really want to share what we've learned about today? Won't you talk to Jesus about them first? Won't you say help? And then won't you go and share with them? Won't you? Or how about this week, someone asks you, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Why don't you say, I went to church and I heard the most amazing thing ever. What? What'd you hear in church? It was amazing. We learned about the good shepherd. Know what the good shepherd did? He laid down his life for us. Why? So that we could have life, life that's abundant, life that's eternal. Would you like an abundant life? Would you like to live forever? You can. You really, really can. Do you think there's anybody in this county who'd like to find an abundant life that lasts forever? Won't you share? So, what did we learn today? That Jesus is the good shepherd. And what are we going to do this week? We're going to follow the good shepherd. I can't believe we get to do this. We get to follow Jesus. Isn't that amazing? We get to follow Jesus together. We're not alone. And we get to follow Jesus together. And 
fish for men. Imagine, imagine hundreds of us unleashed in this county this week. Just imagine what Jesus will do. Let's pray. Jesus, how thankful we are that you loved us so, that you freely laid down your life on the cross and took it up again, that we could have the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life. Thank you. And listen, if you're here and you've never received that gift, you've never entered through the door to eternal life, won't you today? I mean, Jesus is here. Won't you tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, uh, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. And Jesus, I pray for all of us who have received you, who've put our faith in you, that this week we would have to pinch ourselves because we can't believe that we get to follow you. Lord, I pray this week we would remember that we get to follow you together. Lord, I pray this week that we would remember that we get to follow you together and fish for men. Lord, open up opportunities for us to share with others how amazing, how amazing the Good Shepherd is. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.